The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the people appearing on the show and do not reflect the views of the Carolinas GCSA or the show's sponsors. You're listening to Pullin' Weeds Off Course, another installment of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association official podcast with a focus on off-course industry folks and their relationships with superintendents and the Carolinas GCSA. Here are your hosts, Alan Knight and Tim Krieger. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Pullin' Weeds Off Course. I'm your co-host, Alan Knight. Not joined by Tim Krieger. Tim is up in Liberty, South Carolina, without power at the moment, at the office anyway. There's a storm a couple of days ago, and, and the office is the, the Carolina's office is the only office on that street without power. Hope everybody is staying safe uh, from the COVID-19, staying at home when you can. Hope families are safe. Uh, we, certainly, we certainly are here uh, staying at home anyway. We got a good episode for you today, Dr. John Kaminsky from Penn State University, and this is the last interview we've done that we've actually done. So, John flew in to Highlands, North Carolina, was there to do a course visit for Highlands Country Club and, and Brian Steeler, our president, CGCS and MG, I might add. I don't know if you can say their name without saying those letters, so I want to make sure I put them in there. But it's part of that. This is part of uh, Highlands. I don't know what you call it, Mr. Uh, Herbicide Program, I guess. But uh, Brian's a Penn State guy. You should know that if you listen to his episode. And it was nice. I, I didn't get to meet Dr. Kaminsky at uh, GIS. He did a drive-by on, while we were with Dr. Kearns doing a podcast. And then I saw him briefly at the GCI booth during the giving out the Kaminsky Award for Twitter. It was nice, man. We went to a nice dinner. Uh, like I said, he was sick. He flew in sick, so I didn't really get to see how Tweet Booze show up. Uh, then we went to a breakfast, nice little cozy spot, blue bicycle. If you imagine a little mountain town, everything's kind of cozy there, to be honest with you. Gas stations, everything. And I don't even think he knew he was going to be doing this interview. It was just, hey, you're here. We drove up, knocked it out, and had a... But I enjoyed it. I think you guys will enjoy it. We don't always do education pieces here on the, the off-course episodes. Usually it's just the main pulling weeds at the first of the month. But I think I'm going to suggest what Tim did for supers around the country. If you want to come to the Carolina show in November, you can leave the Masters and drive straight to Myrtle Beach. Boom. Expenses paid. I mean, the, the, you leave that Sunday, and then Monday you're playing golf in the golf tournament or you're shooting clays or you might be doing education there are classes on monday tuesday more education show opens wednesday general meetings more show i'm telling you it's a good time i think that'll do it for my rambling here on the front end you can hear me ramble more on the back end but let's go ahead and hear from dr kaminsky bulk aggregate golf a family-owned and operated business since 1980, Bulk Aggregate Golf provides USGA green mixes, bunker sands, maintenance sands, and all-size bridging aggregate to golf clubs in the southeastern United States. With mobile blenders able to custom blend any root zone specified and the sole provider of tour angle bunker sand. 
often thought of as the number one angular bunker sand in the southeast, bulk aggregate golf is experienced in supplying any size job. Bulk aggregate golf, the number one supplier of golf turf and sports turf aggregates in the southeast. 1-877-BULK-AG, bulkag.com. 1-877-BULK-AGG, bulkag.com. We are lucky to be joined by Dr. John Kaminsky from Penn State University. How are you, Doc? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you for being in the area and taking time to sit with us. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we're joining him. Oh, yeah. We are. We, I totally text Brian and said, I hope we're not intruding and taking stealing time here. <laughs> he messaged me. He was like, uh, I didn't tell you, but you're going to be on the podcast. That could be all right. I'm like, I'm like, whatever you need, man, whatever you need. Well, the good news is Highlands is foot in the bill, right? Oh, we're not allowed to say that out loud. <laughs> So we could tell everybody why he is in town, though, right? Sure. That's legal. Is that Why is he in town? Course visit. Yeah. Part of an annual fungicide program, if I'm not mistaken, for the Highlands Country Club. Nice. Yeah, we're going to take a look at some of the things he's got going on out there. and So fix, that's what happens. Fix, fix what ails him and the course. When the Yankees come to work in the Carolinas. They bring them friends down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like a whole, I think it's how the Quakers came over, you know what I mean, in the beginning. Like, they just keep doing it. That's funny. That's funny. So what time do y'all hit the golf course in the morning? I don't know. Whenever he says be there, that's when I Are you playing? No, no. No. Riding around and talking. Brian's here too, by the way. He's just yeah. not mic'd up. So yeah. you'll hear him often. Yeah. I, I never bring my sticks anymore anywhere. I play like five rounds a year. It's pretty pathetic. But <clears throat> Do you like the game? I love it. I used to play. I think uh, when I got full professor a few years ago, um, I went out and bought a new set of clubs. I'm like, that's going to be it. I'm going to play more golf. Never, <laughs> never play. It's like ridiculous. Like the, the places that I get to play are like the old course, Augusta, uh, you know, and then my local country club, right. <laughs> you know, one, one time. And then I get like three or four rounds in and then that's it. Well, those, those aren't bad no, 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 it's, it's, I mean, it's like you, you will make time to go play those places, but yes. otherwise I don't make time to play golf. Do you hit balls in advance of those major rounds? Do you get like psyched up and prepped or just no? I literally walk onto the tee and hit the first swing as the first ball that I hit. I don't even go to the range. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. So officially, hold on now. Could be our first podcast ever where all three guests have played uh, Augusta National then. Yeah, I didn't want to ask Brian. Has Brian played? He's oh, yeah, worked yeah, there. Yeah, I would assume right, he's yeah. more time out there <laughs> than you or I. Then I don't feel hey. bad leaving him out. So, real quick, not to take anything away from the good doc here, but Sorry. I happened to notice a thing on the wall in Brian's office that didn't come up during his podcast. What? And I don't know if he wants it brought up, but it's a little late now. Okay. I Did didn't get to go. No, I, I was setting up out here. There's a Sports Illustrated in there. I heard him say that when he was. There's some football dude on the cover, and the inside picture is Mr. Steeler. Very svelte looking, like a small child ago, holding the rake and an article about him as an intern at Augusta National. Oh, yeah? I'm not surprised. Sports Illustrated article, dude. Going back to our worthless years. Right. right. Oh, yeah, no. We won't even get into those five years. 95 to 2000. I didn't think maintenance got uh, any press back then. You know, I didn't think they got any anything good. Well, apparently that's why. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good for you. The one article that came out, they said, well, that didn't fly so good, boys. So when you play golf, not at Augusta or St. Andrews, whenever yeah. you're playing normally, is it easy just to get into playing golf? Or are you looking down at the ground and saying, oh, this? No, and I look down at the ground way yeah. too much. I didn't used to. Like, I'd play, and I'd actually be my chance to get away, drink a beer, and right. have a good time. But <clears throat> because I play so few rounds of golf i always have my camera with me and i'm like 
getting yelled at to hurry up because I'm taking pictures of something in the, in the, <laughs> in the ground. Especially when we were writing the updating the latest edition of Turgeon's book, like I was like so short on pictures. So all I was doing was like running around taking photos of everything I could possibly do. When you ask Twitter for photos, I would assume that's why. I it remember was, that. Well, I thought it was cool for two reasons. One, I thought like, man, this is awesome. Like people can share pictures and then have their photo in the book. Yeah. And I thought that was cool. And then I was like, well, yeah, but when people ask me for pictures, I'm like, okay, that'll charge you 500 bucks. Right, right? Right. So like I had mixed feelings about it, but it, it ended up going over pretty well. I think everybody was pretty happy to see their photo in the book and it helped us out a lot. So. All right. Well, I have to go back to Augusta in the old course real quick. That's okay. kind of why I was going with the three of us. Okay. See, the good news is at Augusta, right, you can hit one, two, a sleeve, right? I mean, they don't care. Yeah. As many as you want off the first tee, but the old course. No, you, yeah. you. you but you're going to hit one, and if you hit the next one, it's going to be three. Because <laughs> you're you're over in the in the bay, right? I mean, yeah, and you can't you can't go there. right as long as you stay left on the old course. You're fine all the way out and in. You can go, fine. dude. As long as you're a NASCAR golfer, you can play the old course. <laughs> yeah. That's all I know. If, if you hit it left, <laughs> oh yeah, you can hook it back into everything. But you cut it once and you're off the block. If if you get Doctor Latin um, on here, as I mentioned before, to interview him. Um, we played, I took him over to St. Andrews a few years ago, um, and we played the old course, and he had a caddy that was like Bill Clinton's caddy, and like a real famous caddy, but a total, you know, like, he, yeah, he gives it to you pretty good, um, and he gave it to Rick pretty good, so you have to ask him about those stories hmm. if, you, if, you, if you have one. Ours, um, I had one the same, I was with Doug Lowe, I don't know if you know Doug from Greensboro, yeah. and um, and I've t- I think I've told it before on here, but anyways, like I was, I think, one down on like the fourth or the fifth hole, and I said, yeah. How we doing? He said, son, you're one down. You win the next two holes, we'll be one up. <laughs> I was like, oh, I get it. Right. He's like, yeah, a lot of money out here today, son. Get it together. Well, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yeah. And, and ended up ended up winning. I mean, we brought back to even on 17, and then I birdied 18 in front of like 40 people standing on the wall. Yeah, that's Made awesome. the downhill six-footer. Anyhow. We, nice. we, had, uh, we were at the furthest point of the course, and the rain just came down sideways. And the caddies and the locals that we were playing with were like, all right, we're, we're going in. And like Rick and I were like, he had never played. It was only my second time. We're like, uh, nope, we're playing. Right. So we kept playing. <clears throat> the sun went away, and by the time you got to the 17th and 18th, the sun came out, and everybody came out to watch. But the caddy was so aggravated that um, when, the, <laughs> when, when, the, when we hit the green, he beelined for the Dunvegan. He was like, I'm out of here. You can find me there to pay me my bill. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. Oh, so he stayed. You kept oh, the caddy. Oh, yeah, the caddy stayed. They, they weren't going to oh, leave us out there. So oh, that's even So they better. were soaked, I mean, just like <laughs> through the pouring rain. So Dougie cool. and I stayed at the Dunvegan. Oh, yeah? 21 steps from the bar to the bed, and then you could see how close it was to the courses. So, I mean. Yeah, it's awesome. You, I you stayed. Beat it. I stayed at a place called the Russell. It's just up the street from the 18th and, like, that yep. was that was Stan Zontek's place, and he's the one who took me over there in 2005 the first time. And I think five out of the seven years before he passed, like we went to St. Andrews, and it was just such an awesome place. But we always stayed there, and he knew the owner, Gordon. And even to this day, like when I go there, Gordon will come out and have a scotch so with me. Awesome. It's pretty good. The people. I sort of tell everybody, yeah. if I didn't have kids, I'd still be there when I went. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have kids. I might think about that. Uh, it was. Everybody asked me for like the first however many months when we came back. I was like, oh, so how was it? What'd you think? How's the golf? I was like, well, that's all I could talk about was the people. Yeah. The people were just phenomenal everywhere you went. But anyways, sorry, Alan, back back to you. We're going recording. Two things I want to talk. One about the book. Uh, I guess I listened to Joe Galati's podcast, we're Talking Greenkeeper, when you book maybe just come out or was on the way out and just hearing everything you did, 
to go into that process was pretty remarkable. Uh, it was stupid because you know normally you have a publisher and they handle everything, and right. we we jumped that ship so that we could sell it for cheap but still be able to make a little bit of money, but then make it affordable. But in right. the process, it means I had to do like everything yeah and i guess you said that even there was still some things that slipped through the proofreading process maybe here and there yeah um i don't i still haven't gone through it in detail to try and find mistakes but like you want me to find some typos <laughs> you could probably find them it's fine oh but, but i hate I, it when that stuff happens i'm uh, with you i don't even care i'm like whatever it's fine but <laughs> i went through and you know he wrote he wrote you know the first he wrote the first nine editions and right. you know when you make changes for the second edition third you never go back and look at what you what you wrote originally that's what you said yeah. but i went back and reread everything and i did all the calculations for any conversions and i'm like these conversions are all wrong in the first nine editions like like pounds of fertilizer had converted to like kilograms per hectare and i'm like oh man this is crazy so um and then i'm second guessing myself like is my math right like how could this get through nine editions <laughs> oh, well let's talk about you and math here when you get a second then oh come on man people can't take a joke it's so silly oh that was hilarious i started getting direct I, messages about it i'm like I, I was trying to troll everybody and nobody even got it. They were like, who was it first? Oh, even McGraw, the first one, hook, line, and oh, sinker. Yeah. He was like, it's a dollar fifty-three, you idiot. You know, and I was like, I was like, oh, really? I still would take the dollar fifty-three. Like, it just was so silly. Like the thing is, I go on to Twitter and I read like I'll see a post come up. I look at the number of comments it has. I didn't read the post. And then I just went right to the comments and everybody was like trolling the person saying like, oh, you guys are idiots. So I was like, I'm going to go to the original post and share it and see what happens. And man, hook, <laughs> line, worked. hook line, and sinker. <laughs> so, oh, that's good. Good for you. Brian, do you even know what we're talking about? Okay, good. Yeah. That's, I'm that's, just being quiet. Oh, no, no, that's fine. I just... <coughs> also, the, uh, the Penn State, I end up on Penn State Turfgrass YouTube channel. That's well done. Yeah. Um, it started all the way back in like 2009 or 2008, which uh, is... That's when I got there. So when I got there, I started it thinking, all right, let's try and do something to promote the students. Um, and then in like 2013, we had a, a student who was in the program. His brother got a videography degree from Penn State, and he produced a video for his brother, like a, a B-roll clip of him playing golf and um, being a superintendent. And I was like, hey, would you shoot the graduation video? And he said, sure. And then over the time, we've just hired him to do more and more videos. Okay. And uh, he's great. And he's traveled with us to the Tour Championship and to uh, um, Philly Cricket Club and, and Medina. And, and just he's now he's got a huge B-roll of information and video that he can use uh, in the footage. But he's yeah, yeah. Really good. Chris Harley is his, is his name. I guess I just saw a trial video. Well, that would be just me shooting that. Oh, is that yours? I said it. Like, if is it, is it something it like was me you. talking about, like, uh, snow mold or something? It so, was snow mold, yeah. I, I never even heard of snow mold before that video. Yeah, you don't know. Oh, you could get it around here probably. Yeah, I don't get up here very uh, much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought, like, at the time I was going to be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, get this microphone, this professional microphone, and try and do some of these videos. And then I was like, oh, I did one, and I was like, this is a pain in the butt. Yeah, I don't time consuming. It is. Um I went back and watched that the other day because I was going through the YouTube channel and I was like, yeah, we should make more of these, but like I should just be delegating that to somebody. Right. Like I should have my grad students have to do it. But while they were running around raiding the plots, I set up the camera and then right. stood there and put a mic on myself and it, it went fine. But Well, they're well done. Good job. Yeah, I appreciate it. So that's somebody that you're still using. Uh, yeah, I mean that video that was the research one. I just did myself, but the, the others, yeah. but the other one, yeah, Chris Harley. Uh, he is still. We kind of hooked him up at a time where he was getting his career going by paying for a bunch of videos 
for him to produce and uh hmm, never so, heard anything like that i was getting ready to say so um but he he i'd ask for his feels, number but alan right here does some work for us and i don't want to offend him but <laughs> yeah, yeah. but i think that the funny thing that you you acknowledge and you mentioned there is even from like an administrative standpoint right you were asking alan earlier about the podcast and the editing yeah. and the structural like as long as we don't screw it up right now i mean and only do like two or three runs of this so just get ready you'll be here for a while um, yeah yeah no all jokes aside it's a pretty streamlined process you, you cut in some ads and whatnot but when you get into the video component and yeah. then you start layering and you start having to put in text and, and you take hours of footage to come up with a six minute video that's where the time consumption and the i think the the real sh- true professional edge comes in right i mean yeah right when chris does it he'll like switch to like he's got a camera red like a whatever red cameras you know a really really nice video camera and he'll like i'm gonna switch to slow-mo and he'll shoot all this like slow-mo stuff and i'm like well how's it long does that take you to you know put those things in there he's like i you know it's slow-mo you got to watch like one minute of of, <laughs> of footage takes like an hour to watch yeah. um and so it just gets really daunting we used to do you know i did the tom and john show with watchkey like it was like when google hangouts was popular and you could just do I it know what the hell that is I've heard of it. I don't remember it, though. All right. You don't know what Google Hangouts is? Nah. So Google Hangouts was like, um, I don't even think that they have them anymore. Basically, you could just go live on Google, and 10 people could pop in. It was like Skype, right? Like, you'd be in a Skype meeting. And we would, Tom Watchkey and I would do it, and we would bring in a guest, and the guest would come in and and answer questions about something. It's just like any other interview. It's like the Facebook Live and Instagram very live similar now. Yeah. very similar if I you think, go if you go to i think there's like a tom and john youtube channel we haven't done them in a couple of years now but that was easy because you would just say we're live and then somebody was come for tom watch tom Watchkey was a professor at penn state for uh, he retired in uh, maybe 95 or 96 okay. um he was my advisor uh, as an undergraduate at penn state um so he would have probably known landon then our executive secretary back in that same time frame yeah probably i mean he was really yeah he was he was pretty big yeah he definitely would he was at penn state from the 70s up until mid 90s and then he came back out of retirement to help with the two-year program when um they were in between directors and then when i came back in 2009 that's when he finally hung it up and was like i'm just let me retire already (laughs) can we talk about that a little bit about what the two-year program oh yeah was that on your list yeah well no but it should be. Oh, sorry. I didn't want to get off topic. No, you're good. How do, you, how do you come up with these lists? Do you just... Uh, we take turns and just fire whatever's whatever in our mind. Think, yeah. Oh, no. He's got a script down there in his phone. He emails to me, and it's got like nine bullets that we look back and forth off of. Yeah. Photography. You used to be a photographer, correct? Yeah, I don't do it anymore. I still do it now with my students. Like, I'll take you know them on their internships, and I try and get them some good photos for them, but... You know, it's one of those things you do it and you, you like it and then it becomes like a job. Right. And I told myself forever, like when it becomes like a second job, that's when I'm done. Uh, and, and so I just don't. I Were just, you a Nikon, Canon, Sony? Uh, Nikon is my primary and I still am a Nikon guy, but I have, uh, I brought with me a Sony today um, just because it's got Wi-Fi and it can go to my phone. And then when I'm at Sawgrass this week, I can post pictures of my oh, students. Oh, you going down, huh? Yeah. That's where you're headed from here? Yeah, I have 17 students volunteering down there. for. Wow. Every year, this the former students or current students? No, they're my current students. Every year, the first year group, when they finish, we volunteer somewhere. So it started in 2012 with the Ryder Cup with Curtis, Tyrell, and Medina. And then um, 
we just kept picking up events and then the tour championship was like perfect timing for us before they switched the schedule yeah so uh, we would go down to east lake and ralph would bring all our guys oh, and i think man. the first year we went down there we brought like 19 people i think they had like 30 something employees and we brought 19 it was wow. like wow you have like a ton yeah, that's cool so it's tough to figure out what tournament you can do because I can't cut into their internships. So it has to be like right after they finish their semester, which they just did on Friday or right before they come back. Huh. Um, so last year we did the Arnold Palmer because the timing fit out. But this year Thanksgiving was late, so everything got pushed back. So now they're at TPC. And, and they're, I mean, Jeff and the crew down there are amazing to let 17 students come down there and volunteer. Right. So that's good. They put them up just like a typical volunteer. Yeah, we have a budget. We have a budget to send them down there, so we yep. get them all their flights to go down there, um, which is a total nightmare. Like I'm booking flights for people, and they don't fly all out of state college. They're like, I'm going to fly out of Buffalo, Philadelphia, Tennessee. <clears throat> so you're probably a pro uh, flight booker by now. I mean, yeah, I'm okay with it, but like, you know, it's it gets a little bit much to do. So to, going back to that outsourcing thing. <laughs> yeah. So There's the, agencies for that. I know. And here's the issue. Like, I'm the kind of person, because I travel all summer to visit all my students, like, I'm the cheapest person around, right? Like, I try and figure out a way to make it the, as cheap as possible. Blue. No, no, no. I'm definitely, I'm oh, definitely yeah, like, yeah, I yeah, stay yeah. on American yeah. because I can... Um, Manipulate the points. We've seen it on Twitter. Not we even just the it. points, but like if I get if I get screwed or something happens that I'm like stuck somewhere, they just immediately take care of me, and I don't have to think about it. If I got stuck on some other airline, then it would never happen. But what I do is say I'm going to do a multi-leg stop to like Denver, San Francisco, and L.A. I ask the three superintendents, like, does this week work for all of you, and can you bear with me? And then I go on and I look. Is it cheaper to go to Denver first, then L.A. to San Francisco? Is it cheaper to go to San Francisco, Denver, then L.A.? If I drive from one place to another, so like I look at it, and then I'm like, all right, here's the direction I'm going to go. Now does that date work? And then right. as long as they say yes, then I, then I book that. But I'm finding multi-leg flights are actually much cheaper. I could do like five legs to five different students and pay like 1000 bucks, or hmm. pay like 500 to do round trip to each one of those things. So, I am. Um, but... In doing that, I find the cheapest. If I get somebody to do it, they're just going to pick right. the time and the direction, and they're not going to look at the that yeah. price tag there. Yeah, I mean, I'm just budget conscious. So, well, how, so what's the max drive time in one of those excursions? Um, Cost to time value ratio here. Yeah, I don't like driving at all because um, I use my phone a lot, and I get tempted to pull my phone out while I'm driving, and I don't, but I'm like, I know it's bad, so I, I try not to drive. If it's... Philadelphia, anywhere like in Pennsylvania. Four hours, three yeah, hours. Four. Um, like Oak Hill, like I'll drive up there. That's about four hours away. But if it's like New England or Long Island, um, I'll, I'll fly and then I'll drive. And I don't mind driving once I get to a location. Like if it's New England, I'll, I'll fly there and then I'll drive around, you know, that whole place and, and pick out who. You know. Well, heck, here it ain't that convenient. I mean, where are you fly? unless you're on a private thing landing over here on the Elk no, River. I have, to, I have two students. That I have two groups of students that screwed me this year i have one that's in uh coeur d'alene and so like i'll have to find like spokane and then drive in which is a little bit of a haul and then nice. i have i have two that are in uh the vale area uh cordillera and roaring fork and so like i gotta fly into denver and then it's like a three-hour drive yep. and it happened last year i went and i flew into denver while my flight got delayed all the way out there i landed at like 9 p.m in denver and by the time i got to the course it was or not to the course but to the hotel 
it was almost one in the morning and then I had my visit at six and I had my flight out at 2 p.m. So like you have to stick to the schedule because otherwise you'll miss your flight on the uh-huh. way out. And I don't dawdle. I don't, I don't stay at these places. I never, like I said, I don't bring my sticks. I, I go, I give three to four hour visit, meet with everybody and then I'm off to the next place. I don't, I don't hang out too much. So I guess Social that's, butterfly. that's a bonus of getting one of his students is you get a visit from him during the summer, right? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't really do any kind of agronomic stuff. I mean, if somebody needs help, then I'll, I'll help them out. But I don't I don't kind of combine it with any kind of consulting or anything. I'm really there to see the student. So the visits are pretty, you know, f- fixed in terms of what I do. Like, I meet with the superintendent, and I'm like, give me the inside scoop. Do I got to kick this guy in the butt out there, or is he doing well you. for you? And then I go out with the student, and we tour the course in a cart and get on, you know, as many greens as possible. And, um, and then we meet as a group, and then I kind of give my summary, like, this is what's good or this is what they need to work on. I find that the students in a six-month internship get blinders about halfway through. They're just doing – they're just going through the motions, right? They're doing what they're told. And they could be considered great interns, but, like, they could learn more if they open their, their eyes to yeah. more of what's – like, I'll get on the course, and I'm like, what's that guy doing over there? What are they spraying? I don't know. Like, why don't you know that? Like, he's like, well, I'm not doing it. I'm like, well, you think the superintendent's doing everything? But they need to know everything that's going right. on. So it's a it's a good a good thing I think to go out and visit them. So you're just documenting them basically, and then doing evaluations for those internships while you're there. Yeah, I mean, I just it helps me to get an idea of what type of an internship it is. Because my feeling is there's no bad interns or internships. I just think that there might be not a good fit. So sure. Um, if I go to a place where somebody's struggling or not doing well, it doesn't mean I don't get to learn who would do well at that place. And then it kind of gets in my Rolodex of my memory for the next time. Like, okay, this would not be a good fit for that person, but it might be a really good fit for this person. Um, and I try to, I don't direct the students where to go. They can go anywhere they want. But if they're making a bad decision, then I try to like say, this this might not be the best option for you, but you're more than welcome to do it. But So in a two-year program he, he brought up here, are these all two years we're talking about or four years? That's these are all two-year students. So I'm the director of the two-year program. Um, I don't even teach in the four-year program because I have so much going on in the two-year program. I'll uh-huh. guest lecture and I run the uh, Advise the Turf Club. But in general, I'm focused on the students in the two-year program, yeah. Are they all there? They have to, like, I mean, this is on campus, not online? Yeah, this is all resident two-year students. So Plus the six-month internship, or is that part of the two-year? It's part of it, yeah. Okay. So they, they do... Um, Eight weeks in the fall, eight weeks in the spring. They finish this past Friday. Um, then they'll uh, be six months on their in- – well, they're volunteering at TBC Sawgrass this week. And then they'll go to their internship, um, and then they'll come back in late September, and they'll do another eight and eight, and then they'll be done. So. Are they trying to be a doctor like you or a golf no, course? No, no, super- these are golf course okay. superintendents. These are like non-traditional students. Maybe like you worked on a golf course – you maybe had a couple years of college, maybe you got a degree in something else, but right. you're like, I need to get something turf related and yeah. a formal education to be able to move Former up through military, the ranks. Folks like that. Yeah. I mean, the average age is around 24 years old, but we get, you know, anywhere from 18 to 50 years old. You right. Know? What's your, what's your, okay. So is it, is it a cyclical thing where, okay, this group is going for two years and then I'm done and I start a new group or do you have concurrent groups going? Uh, yeah, concurrent groups going. So we just graduated a group this week, uh, Saturday, and then the 17 that are in the middle of their, you know, their schooling. And then I'll have a new group start in September as well. So we have two groups going. What's your max in one group? We've never been there. Um, I would take 25 is kind of what I said as a as a fictitious cap. But, um, we've had as many as 22 and as few as six. But I mean, di- didn't McGraw tell me he had like two students? 
He has two grad students. Two grad students. Okay, that's it. Yeah, so we all have grad students in addition, but that becomes like, you know, our research end of it. So I have uh, have a master's student who's just about to finish up, and then I have um, two PhDs and another master's student. Really? Yeah, so that's where I focus now. So the students are gone, and I do see them in the summer, and I'll travel, but... um, you know, when I get back at the end of this week, that's when I start grinding with my grad students and getting their research in the ground and make sure things are going. So, what well, kind of nicknames you got for these kids? I don't have any nicknames for them. I, I don't know. We did have one. You ain't got like the Poa guy every season, or you know what I mean? Like the oh man, he's the airified kid. He's always got holes in his theory or something. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I just didn't know. <laughs> no, I no. I mean, they're all you know trying to be young professionals and i try to treat them as that and not give them goofy nicknames like they're not like kids but um we've had some nicknames i guess for people in the past but oh, that's funny yeah. we could go cia direction you know we could have like romeo or you know right like, right this is this is uh, i don't know uh arsenal or somebody you know i love it yeah we had we had one guy that worked for us that um we had a really small irrigation area like mr pop-up heads and so the the drainage areas were or the drainage the the irrigation lines needed to be dug up for something and um we didn't have an irrigation shovel i don't remember but he went out there and he was like started to use like a, a spoon like a little tiny t- tiny spoon and like scoop away this thing so he's gonna be there for i didn't even see this my other my other uh my technician gave him his name but they that, so his name became teaspoon so like that <laughs> oh i love it that was his name for forever teaspoon oh, it yeah. still is to this day and his first name is you and i guess i would go out there and and they would be like, who did this? And they would be like, you. And I'm like, I didn't do it. <laughs> and so, so they're like, we got to call him something other than you. Um, yeah. Teaspoon. Mm-hmm. So can we give them nicknames? Like, can you start, can we give them like a pulling weeds themed nickname? Like you send us the pictures and we just go basically off oh, the headshots. Yeah, I'll tag you. I'll tag you in them on, on Instagram, and you can see, or on Twitter. Twitter, and, yeah. And oh, you, so those are all the ones we've been seeing that you keep doing the profiles of. Every so often, that I'm seeing some posts of his or, graduates, probably. Or Maybe those? they might be my undergrad. They might be my two-year students. I don't know. Yeah. Oh no, the ones that are on there. That yeah, those are my uh, those are my students that are going out to their internships now, not my grad students. Nice. Well, yeah, we try to. I try to promote the heck out of them as much as I can. I figure like with a good Twitter following, it's good to promote them. And um, you know, how how did out. you get that many followers? I have no idea. I had started. How much state college money did you spend on promotions behind the scenes on the Twitter machine? I never bought anything on Twitter. (laughs) I think think paying for followers is stupid. Um, But I don't know. I don't know how I did it. I think that when um, Pat Jones put me on the cover of Golf Course Industry Magazine in 2010, um, that kind of started it. And then when that happened, I got invited to speak at universities all around the country, like to their administration. So like deans and department heads, like how do we effectively use it is this something we're going to use and i still don't know i still don't know if uh if we're using it effectively but i mean i think i think that that was probably how it all kind of started is is just trying to give these talks to administrators and stuff so that's crazy and now you have an award after you named after you yeah that's they just made that up i don't (laughs) i don't i don't get it but it's fine you're like a a young guy for having an award named after you normally i mean you don't do you color that? That's there's no, no gray there's, at all. There's a few gray in here actually. It's starting to come in. It's like uh, it's only a matter of time now. Yeah, <clears throat> that's funny. I forgot the Kaminsky Award. 
Yeah. That was again. I was, I was Pat I, Jones did it. You know, he I'll, just like made it up one day and didn't even tell me. He just like was giving the awards out and he was like, "This is the Kaminsky Award." And I'm like, "Wait, what? I've never even won this thing, and you're giving it out in my name." Did I you want- ask to use my <laughs> name, my <laughs> likeness? Are you paying me for this? Yeah. Should, your royalties. I, I, I was probably eight years ago. I should have been smarter about it and been like, "Okay, you know, if you want to use my name." But no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. I've had a few of those. But you were <laughs> nice. You gave the award out this year. I saw. Yeah, I, I try to go every year and yeah. do it. It's a tough time. We have our. We have an alumni meeting that's right before that, and then I have a, a meeting. I'm on the board of a scholarship called the Musser uh, Musser Award, and <clears throat> so those three those three things are back to back, and so it's tough to get there. But I try to get there and, and support it. You know, it's good. Well, you guys have got some turf bowl teams that kick some rear too, though, right? I mean, that's you have all to be there to support. Oh, that's all been <clears throat> all McGraw. The turf bowl is a little different than your turf bowl. Yours is more Jeopardy. Theirs is looking at plants. Oh, they got they got pictures and whatnot. No, they're sitting there holding samples. Uh, the turf ball at GIS is um, in foil still. Is no, <laughs> no foil. It's it's intense. <laughs> they have to know. They have to know about um, mechanics, business, uh, grass ID, weed ID, uh, Latin names, um, agronomic okay. practices. It's like a four hour exam. It's crazy intense. Yeah. I was curious if those grasses had diseases in them. Uh, no, I think that they try and get decent samples from them, but okay. then for the disease stuff, they print out pictures and, and okay. give like, you know, key phrases like "warm days and cool nights," you know, and then they show a picture of Dollar Spot. And, um, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's basically what it's like. But it's funny; it depends on where it goes because if it's in Florida one year or in California, different people help out. So you'll have like it was in where was it this year? Florida, right? Yeah, Orlando. Orlando. So they must have had a ton of. Florida um, folks, it's all warm season. Florida, yeah, it's all warm season stuff, and it was like mini ring, which my students don't learn about. Like, mini what is ring. that? Yeah, they're like, ah, I don't, oh, what is, they call it a small ring. I don't, what is small ring? I'm like, is it, like, I think, do you mean mini ring? <laughs> <laughs> and they were, they had that class at simultaneously, but we hadn't gotten to that disease yet, so they hadn't even seen it. So they were uh, behind a little bit on some of that. Small but, ring, yeah. that's fun. That'd be something I'd do. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Well, that's, how, a, that's a scrapple term. How did you get into looking at grass? I mean, how'd you say golf. this is what I want to do? I mean, do. golf okay. is what started it. I think, uh, oh, man, my golf story was awesome. My, my dad, I missed the bus. We lived out in the country, and, and I missed the bus to middle school. I was probably 12 years old. And my dad, um, my dad has an interesting, had an, he's still around, but he, he's retired. But he had an interesting life. He owned a music, a wholesale music warehouse um, and a record label. Wow. And so... Um, so he could do whatever he wants. Like he it wasn't like Arista or anything like no, that. No, okay. well, he got bought by, I think, Sony. It was CLR Records. Um, the only person he ever had on there was DJ Cool, which is this guy's like, let me clear my throat. And so you hear it. <laughs> right. <laughs> is that not it? That's it. That's it. Sorry. So, and you hear, you hear it everywhere. They're still playing it. So okay. my dad gets like a royalty check of like right. a few thousand bucks every year or something, you know. But um but anyway, he could. His time was his. He could do whatever yeah. he wanted. So <clears throat> I was like, "All right, well, I missed the bus. Take me to school." So <clears throat> we're driving. We blow right past the school. I'm like, "That's the turn to go to the thing." And he's like, "Don't worry about it." <laughs> he, we go right to like a golf warehouse. He buys me a set of golf clubs, and we go to a golf course and play 18 holes of golf. And that was like 12. I was like, "I mean, you know, imagine the first time being on a golf course. You never even swung a club before. Wow. Um, it was ugly." But that kind of got me hooked. And then I played golf all through high school. And, thought it would be like a golf course architect. I mean, that, I was in school for landscape contracting and still doing um, at Penn State and still doing the, the golf thing. Um, and then I just said, I can't stand here anymore. I got to take a semester off. So I left and I went and worked out on at Desert Mountain out in Arizona. Who was there then? Uh, it was Paul Pritchard and 
I don't remember who else was okay. there at the time. Uh, it was in between when Sean was there. He, gotcha. I had met him, but he wasn't there working. Um, anyway, I went out there and uh, yeah, we're staring at each other I through know. a pole. Oh, Sorry, I'm I got you on over. either side of the pole. <laughs> I, I feel bad. I keep checking out one side or the other, and so we're gonna move yeah. over here a little bit. Yeah. Bad. But anyway, he. <laughs> I, that's when I liked golf. I remember like turf. Like I went out there just to get a job, and and I don't know what it is about the Penn State reputation, but you know I went out there and they were like, watch this guy coming in. He's going to be in his polo and his khakis, and and I was. I showed up in like khakis and a golf shirt, and, but I wasn't. I was ready to work, right. and they like threw me in a ditch and were like digging. And I don't care. I was like that's. But they were like, this Penn Stater coming in here. There's no. And I had never worked on a golf course like that. So, um, so I was out there for six months. And then when I came back, I was like, I'm picking up turf as a second major. And then I kind of, I did them both. I finished them both, but I, I stayed more towards the turf end of things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So where did you grow up? Upper Marlboro. It's like PG County, right outside of D.C. State, please. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maryland. Okay. Thanks. Man. Well, there's, a Marlboro, there's a Marlboro in South Carolina. We have listeners in Australia. Yeah. Bots in upper, Russia. Upper Marlboro. It's like the, the PG County is not the best county in the world. It's basically like the whole right side of Washington, D.C. Um, but my mom worked for the White House, and my dad had a business in Baltimore, so like it was a good area for them to be that they could wow. both commute uh, a little ways away. So. so you haven't gone far? No. I, well, I went to Connecticut for four years. That was as far as I went. I went undergraduate at, Maryland, or at Penn State, and then my master's and Ph.D. at Maryland with Peter Noden. And then right out of school, I got a job at Connecticut as a turf pathologist up there. Um, I was there four years, and then this job open at Penn State so so you got your Canadian driver's license then <laughs> no no Canadian driver's license but a a Is that they're a all I mean they're all that they're all Canadian when they get up that close New, Eng- New England's <laughs> a funny place like if you're from New England you never leave and if you're not from New England you never stay it's like a, a great place I loved it and I missed it it was really it was probably the hardest decision I've ever made from a career standpoint to go to Penn State because I love my job at UConn but I, I could be as a big fish in a small pond up there i try to say like maybe i can go to penn state and and you know be part of a bigger program and so that's kind of why i left how many twitter followers did you have at connecticut i didn't even have twitter there at connecticut. you go there you go i was anti-social media i mean told all my students and and people up there like get off of it don't be on it this is the worst possible thing oh, yeah. you can do i mean this is what i would I've say seen kids not get jobs because of <clears throat> facebook postings and things oh, like that i had an intern that didn't get an interview because of um it wasn't anything bad he just he had politics and things on his uh, on his Twitter stream, and the club didn't want to even be exposed to that. So, yeah, I've um, almost unfollowed you a couple times. No, yeah, that's kidding. fine. <laughs> I don't take offense to it. I, the one thing that's good about me is like I, I don't get I don't care about trolls. Like people say, like oh, don't read the comments. I'm like I love the comments. I love when people say stupid stuff. Like it doesn't bother me at all. I just I look at it and I'm just like oh, whatever. I just, that's where I get lost sometimes on the Twitter machine. Yeah, just, yeah. Like you say, just. The comments and the nonsense and the what about tweet? it helps me make good choices about yeah. what to say and what not to say. I keep going back to like Howard Stern and I'm a huge Howard Stern fan and he's he's Hey-o. changed a lot over the you know twenty something years I've been listening to him. But like when you see his movie, it's like yeah, like he has all these listeners, right? Because half the people love him and half the people hate him, but they all listen to him. I'm like, okay, well, if I don't have half the people hating me, I'm not doing something right. I was a half hater. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you. You were two lovers, and I was a hater. I, I did what I could. I managed a small period. I think maybe a quarter of a year. I a did power this. stern. Yeah, and then yeah. I was like, I can't take it anymore. He's such a great interview. It's so amazing. He is a good He's, interviewer. Yeah. I never really got to that part, though. Maybe it was because I saw the TV show, and I never listened to it. Yeah. 
and it was just such crap the whole time yeah i'll put it on and then like he'll be on some lesbian dating game thing or something and then i'm like all right i'll turn it off because my wife like won't want to listen to it right but then there'll be some a-list celebrity that my wife likes and listening to the interviews and she's like it's amazing like he gets things out of these people that nobody else does it's it's crazy i like i think tim and i like that too but yeah let's talk about tweeting booze real quick how did you come up with that I tweet booze. I tweet booze. I don't know. Apparently, I was posting too much booze on my on my page. And <laughs> now, now, how would you find that out? I'm just curious. <laughs> it was actually Barrett Lionauer from uh, New Mexico State. He he wasn't on Twitter, and then I went out there and did a talk on social media. And he's like, "I guess I'll have to get on." And so he's a professor out there, does a lot of really good research, and um, and so he got on social media. And then when I started tweeting too much about beer and booze and everything, he's like, you need a separate account for booze. And so I was like, done. <laughs> and then in like two seconds, I created I Tweet Booze. And then I forget to post to it. So oh. like it's, it's, you know, if you see, I don't have my phone on me, but if you see my, my behind the scenes of all the Twitter accounts, there's probably like 20 accounts logged in on my, right. on my phone that, you know, I try to manage them. But I manage PSU Turf, our, yeah. our department's Twitter account. <clears throat> I still have my photography one. I have my turf one. I've got, you know, there's just a zillion of them. So. You ever met Alan? Yeah, I guess. So mine used to be like that, too. <laughs> that whole outsourcing thing. Yeah, right. smart. Yeah. Welcome to Alan. Yeah. yeah. And now I, I can I focus outsourced. on mine. Yeah, which that's good. doesn't help because I fall in the rankings when I only have mine to manage. But anyways. Well, I, I was told that I tweet booze needs more content. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I'll jump in real quick. There was um, a... Uh, Hey, there's an plenty allergen. of content to go up there. I just don't go in. I just don't post. <laughs> well, there was an allergen issue there for a while, right? Like gluten. And so when you take a break from gluten, you're taking a break from bread and beer. Yeah. So it's hard to tweet booze when you're not drinking booze. Tito soda, though. You can go Tito soda. That was my go-to. I was trying to help you, man. <clears throat> I know. That's all right. I, I did take a break. I was looking at this. I did two of them. There's like these eight-week challenges, right? So <clears throat> about... <clears throat> About a year and a half ago, I don't know, sometime around September of last year, um, my wife was like, I was kind of waning from the photography, and I was like, found I had all this free time on the weekends where I wasn't like spending it editing all all day, and I was like, I gotta find a new hobby. I'm either gonna learn a language, learn to play a musical instrument, or maybe I'll go to the gym. And she was like, Yeah, that's never gonna happen. I mean, it's 22 years I hadn't gone to the gym, and then I was like, One day I was like, I'm gonna go to the gym with you. And I almost died. I mean, I was like green walking out of that place. Um, it's a high intensity um, circuit type training, type like thing. orange right. theory type. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's, it's not bikes and running and stuff. It's just uh, it's like burpees and weights and, and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, Ugh. so I, I started that on like a Monday, and they started this challenge like the following weekend, and I was like, I'm going to do the challenge. And my wife's like, You're nuts. There's no way you're going to do that. And I won it. I, I I think I lost like twenty pounds and like, but no alcohol. And you go on a very strict diet, um, and that changed kind of my whole eating habits. Like it's gotten better, um, but you I fall off of it. You know, I get back to like when my wife moved to D.C. I was like, I'd go to the gym, and on the way home, I pass McClanahan's, which is like the little package store, and I'd go in and buy a four pack of like New Trail. I don't know why I got on this like New Trail Broken Heels kick, and huh. every day I'd go and get a four pack. And what is and that? It's, just, it's an IPA. It's okay. just yeah. It's like a but it's like a they're four like pounders, right? Right, right. And I would drink one before dinner, and then I drink one at dinner, and then I'd be sitting around. I drink the other two, and I was like, I guess I'll buy another one tomorrow, <laughs> right? But but so all of a sudden you go from not having all that gluten to bringing it right back on. Like it, it's amazing. Let's switch probably two weeks of it, and my allergies kick right back in. It's really, really it's really that clear, man. So I need to <clears throat> get back to the uh, Tito soda. 
that was not on the script that we were talking about. So that's how the script comes up. We picked that up from earlier conversations. Man. Uh, what about uh, Doc Lego's beer? You ever had any of that? Yeah, his beer is awesome. He doesn't give it to me enough. I mean, he always says, like, come over. But he lives, like, 15 minutes outside of town. So gotcha. I thought you guys were in the same neighborhood. No, I live right downtown. Like, we, we downsize from a house to a condo. So, like, we live in a condo above a Hyatt. I mean, that's where I live. Wow. And he lives in a small town called Bullsburg, um, yep. you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes outside of town. His beer is amazing, though. Like, if you, you know, yeah. if you go over to his house and he's like, this is just an IPA I kicked up. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty good. <laughs> I have so many questions. Where do you park? I have a car. That we have one vehicle, and it is. we have a spot in the in the condo in, underneath, under the ground. And then I walk to work. I heard you say that earlier, that you walk to work. So It's like how a 15-minute walk. It's not, so not even a mile. It's probably like 1.2 miles or something. It's and We're a half a block from campus. So what, what I find is when I hit campus, I don't feel like I'm walking anymore. There's tons of students and people walking right. around. It's just like you're on campus. It gets cold in the winter, but this winter was so mild up there that it didn't matter much. Um, how hot? Yeah. How hot? How hot will it get what? In the summer. Oh, man. Like our highs, our average is like 84 degrees. You know, it's like oh, just nothing. I mean, we might get a few days... There's a couple years we get like 30 days above 90, but I think the average is like four days above 90. In the How summer. do you get your groceries up? We have a target. We have a target um, in, Delivery. In, the, in the building, and I just go down, and like every day we go down and shop and get stuff. So you don't have to like do big groceries. You got an shopping. elevator? Yeah. I'm you got to take an floor. elevator every day? My wife would love I a, do have to take an elevator. A target in the building? She would never Wait, you got a target in the building? Yeah. Starbucks and target in the building. And we have a federal tap house, which is like a you know eighty beers on tap right down in, in a restaurant. So I don't have to leave if I don't want to. But does she know. trust you, my wife? Yeah. Have you ever did. seen my photography? No. <laughs> no. Of course she trusts me. Yeah. Oh, it was. Uh, yeah. When I listened to Talking Greenkeeper, he's like, oh, it was a lot of boudoir, but he's like, I like uh, contrasted lights, and I was like, you can con- you can shoot fruit and contrast lights if you wanted to. But <laughs> they have curves too. Fruits have curves. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> But yeah, so we I lived there and we lived in a big house. We had like there were two of us, no kids, and we had like a thirty eight hundred square foot five bedroom house, also within a mile and a half from my building. But I never walked. Um, there was something about there was something about not being on campus for a majority of the time that, it, 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 for some reason in my head, there's like some psychological thing. Like once I hit campus, I could walk another twenty minutes and sure. it wouldn't feel like it's you know walking anywhere. But anyway, we downsized. We were like sold everything and went from five bedrooms to two and 3,800 square feet to 1,400. Good for you. I get what you're talking about, though, from distance walking perspective. When I would start trying to do longer mileages, getting ready for a half, I would go walk on campus at Clemson because I could go past the lake and I could have, you know, 20-year-old thoughts of memories of school and this and that. And, man, the next thing you know, you've done 10 miles, two loops around and don't feel bad about it, you know, versus trying to go somewhere else or in a neighborhood or something. It's just not the same. Yeah, and I'm a walker. I mean, I walk super fast. And when my students are with me, they're like, oh, we better keep up. Commence, he's on the run. I mean, I just walk fast. Um, so, like, it, it just it doesn't feel like anything. So, yeah. I mean, you're walking over four miles an hour if you're going 1.2 miles in 15 minutes. So, I mean, you know, you're getting quick. it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. most people start sweating at that pace. Well, it's funny because uh, I have headphones kind of like what I'm wearing now. Like, I have these... Um, my Bose cancellation headphones, and I wear them in the winter. It's great, but then, in, like, as soon as it starts getting warm out, like, I'm like, oh, I got to put the earbuds in because these things are gonna make me sweat. Yeah. Um, but it keeps me warm, and uh, you know, I, I find like a, it's not a bad walk. It's pretty easy. Yeah. When it gets summertime, like last year, I was um, last year I was 
always on this stupid challenge. Like the last time I did the challenge, this fitness thing, it was in the middle of the summer. And so like every day I'd walk home and I passed like five bars like on the way to my house. And I'm like, man, look at everybody sitting outside. This is stupid. Why am I doing this challenge? Um, and so like this year I said, nope, for the summertime when the challenge comes around, I'm not doing it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy. That'll be like I probably won't drink beer for the next probably – four months and then sometime in july i'll i'll be like i'm gonna leave at 2 30 and go downtown and have a pint and just enjoy the outside and being outside yeah good for you so i tweet booze we'll get some more posts i can't point. wait well the allergy stuff it can't help you coming here right i mean this pocket of the world you know the funny Golly. thing is the the only allergies i have i didn't know the gluten thing until i started doing this challenge but my real allergy is dust um, so that's not really that big of a problem, except when I'm in hotels. And so when I go into a hotel room in the summer and the air conditioning kicks on over and over and over, those those vents are always the worst. And <clears throat> even Orlando this year, I don't remember where I stayed, but it wasn't a very good uh, hotel. And I get to the point where I can now count the number of breaths until I start hacking. And it's always five. Like the air conditioning kicks on and I'm like, one, two. And I get to five and I'm like... <coughs> And, and I'm and I'm dying, and it's the dust. It's just it's really really bad. Huh. I'm thinking of getting those like HEPA filters that you can like tape over the yeah. things. Like it's that it's that extreme. And so when I visit all my students in the summer, and I'm in these hotels all the time, um, that can get bad. So people are like, why are you sick in the middle of the summer? Like it shouldn't be sickness time. Like the dust allergies kills me. I was waiting for him to say he cleaned the air conditioning units every time he went to a hotel. No, I take I take pictures of them and I tweet them out and tag Marriott in them and I'm like, this is unacceptable. And within and within literally within five minutes, I get phone calls in my room like, we'll switch you to another room. And I'm like, does it look any different than this? Right. Yeah. Well, why don't but, you just put a new filter in? Is that yeah. is that part of the Kaminsky class or is that all airports? And no, I don't know who did. That. I think Fidanza or somebody did that. Um, that's all mostly like flying and stuff. Okay. You know, if you get upgraded to first class people say that i start looking at the like i click on the tag and i look at it and i'm like man there was all these posts that i didn't even see yeah i don't pay attention to that but fidanza i think is the one that, or frank wong one of the two did it you could monetize kaminsky class it could have its own i almost posted one from our suburban that we rented because it had more legroom than my silverado and i'm like it's the same platform this chevy thing you know what i mean yeah. and i'm like now this is some legroom i could barely reach the pedals <laughs> that's awesome yeah so that's that's the thing like my max Yours is longer. Kansas, Dallas. How long is that? Ten hours? I mean, I'll go twenty twenty four before. It's about driving. Yeah, like I, San Diego is the one where you can't go out there without flying. Well, just because I miss so much time, yeah. and with I've got two boys of age that you know we're always busy and it's hard you know if it was just me and the wife hell i'd take a three-week excursion to gis in san diego take a week out there you know do the thing and then take a week back but you know like texas i'll drive most of the time and i just can't stand flying yeah most people say like i talked to bruce clark about this a lot when you know he's at rutgers he's a professor up there and um, when i first took over at connecticut and then went to penn state and i was traveling a lot and he would always drive and I'm like why are you driving like this seems crazy and he's like I don't want to get stuck anywhere like I want to be able to get out and I think that's what most people associate the airports with but like once I like once I got to like executive platinum status where you had like the highest status like I never get stuck I mean it's very rare that something (laughs) bad happens my wife's gotten in like three travel trouble trips this year where she's gotten screwed over something and I'm like it just doesn't happen to me I don't I don't know why you can't help her you I did. Okay. I did. I like, like, even last time. Are these she, just stories for her? <laughs> she was flying on American, and we don't have a direct to D.C. She was going home and had booked her flight on miles and was going through Philly. 
but it was getting delayed out of State College to Philly, which was going to make her miss the last flight from Philly to D.C. So she's like, what am I going to do? And I was like, let me call my status people on American. And I called them, and I said, look, she's going to miss her flight. She's not going to get home tonight. Um, there's a United flight that goes directly to D.C. Can you switch her from American to United? And they were like, sure, no problem. And they switched her. I was like, whoa, that was not wow. that was unexpected. So thank you, American Airlines. Nice. Um, you might have to at them in this just to see if we can't get some free miles out of this or something. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. They're probably like, Definitely. Or do they hate Kaminsky class because of some of the posts? <laughs> well, what I've, what I've learned is rarely do I like call them out now. Like I send them a lot of private messages when there's yeah. issues and I'm and I'm like can you fix this this is an issue I had wow. um, but I don't do it publicly as much anymore you but find them to be more friendly when you send they're them friendly no matter what but you know they're probably sitting back there behind you know somebody sitting behind that keyboard going like this guy's such a jerk yeah um, I don't think that's the term <laughs> yeah no but to, <laughs> thank you for we're the in the podcast, south man. we're in the I south trying to clean it up a little <laughs> no, bit I like that thank I you. mean this is the longest I've gone without dropping an f-bomb in probably well, we're so like 10 happy years. Is, I saw oh, you look at your watch it's like it must be somebody called me I don't know who it was it was just buzzing. I could have swore it was every four minutes you got this little shot in your neck. It was like, I got, I got to swear. It's a, a twitch. twitch. It's like a, uh, yeah. I got <laughs> Tourette's for uh, you know language barriers. Yeah. Well, no. It's just part of your vernacular. So we were, um, after graduation, I was sitting around with um, two of the students that graduated and uh, and one of their mothers. And, and one of the students dropped the F-bomb. And the mom was there. And I was like, what is wrong with you? And she was like, it's okay. I hear it all the time. I'm like, this is not okay. Like, and then I found myself yelling at them. And meanwhile, I'm going like, this is what they're going to do to me down in the Carolinas. They're going to yell at me about, about dropping the F-bomb. Oh, that's hilarious. It's funny. When you, oh. hear it, when you hear it, it sounds so bad. I mean, it just sounds so bad. Does it have to be part of your, your language? And I just can't help it. I mean, it's just like, it's just, oh, I, know. I think yeah. it's just a northern thing. You know, I think. No, it's no, everywhere, dude. I mean, I've lived in, I can't, I think 13 states, right? Like. An almost two digits worth of driver's licenses and no we they swear everywhere yeah. man it, yeah pop and soda no it, there's <laughs> there's a theme that goes out there everywhere depending on your market so yeah um what you, else you got you just brought it up driver's license we got to get in the final question we've been going a while here oh we gotta go so i wanted to talk about the two-year program give them a chance to plug it if we before we get into that if you don't right, mind do it. like can, explain to people listening all over the world who may have folks in the same situation that are looking for something i mean What's the appeal to it? And by no means am I trying to outsell Clemson or NC no, State are, or any of the programs There's a ton of programs that are here. good. So, I mean, I'm not, I, I tell people, like, you got to choose what's right for you. And Correct. Sometimes it's the four-year program. Sometimes it's the online program. Sometimes it's Tennessee. Well, and we've got a great one down at Orange Georgetown. I yeah. think you probably even know some of those yeah, guys and work in those. And so, um, I just give you give explain yeah, it. Tell so people what it is and, and how it could benefit them. The two-year program at Penn State has been around since 1957. Joe Dewitch started it, you know, the, the guy who developed Penn Cross and Penn A1 and G-Series. Um, he started this, and really it was a way for people to come back and get an education in a, in a quicker format. Does the school um, get revenue from those, just curious? It, the, like Tifton the, and all that? I don't know whether other schools do. Like our, all the money that comes into our program is used to run the program. So we have to pay for all the faculty that teach. Yeah. Um, you know, like we get to use some of those funds to send the students to TPC Sawgrass. Um, but you get funding other than from the state government, right? I mean, like you. No, we're one hundred percent run on the students. So whatever the students' tuition comes in, that's what we spend out. And, oh wow, that's a big point. <clears throat> Yeah, Sorry. so, well, it's, you know, we're fortunate that our expenses are not that much, that if we have a fluctuation in numbers, like we graduated six, but I have 17 in my new class, and next year we're probably going to have another 17. 
Um, so then we can do cooler stuff, right? Like we can create more YouTube videos to promote it, or we can do advertising, or we can gotcha. you know, send them on a couple trips. But basically the program is this. It's, um, it's four eight-week terms, uh, and in between the second and third, you do a six-month internship. Uh, the benefit of it is it's it's still very theory based. You have classroom based, you know, learning, but we do a lot of hands on stuff as well. I don't think we do as much hands on stuff as where Georgetown does. Um, I think they do a lot more tournaments and um, a lot more hands on stuff, but we still do quite a bit of hands on stuff. But what I like about the program is it splits it probably about equally from agronomics and business. Any mechanical at all? Yep, they'll have mechanics class where they have to get in there and grind reels and break down engines, you know, small things like that. Um, So theoretically, any Penn State grad that I come in contact with would know how to grind reels? uh, Probably not in the four-year program. I don't think that they would have uh, a class like that. But the two-year program, they would at least be exposed to it. I don't know, in one class, you're going to become an expert at grinding reels. Um, but they've they've done it, you know. They've just been looking to widen my breadth of potential helpers in my future. That's all. Sorry, yeah. Selfish about some yard things going on here, but yeah, anyways. Understood. Um, but so you know, the the price tag is the biggest difference. You know, to go to an undergraduate degree at Penn State from out of state, you're looking at one hundred and sixty, one hundred eighty thousand dollars for tuition, room, and board. But for the f- annually or for the four, that's for everything for, for the, the four. four. Year okay. It's like it's around forty to fifty thousand dollars okay. a year. Okay. Um, for the two year program. Everything, housing, everything's about out of state. It's about thirty-five thousand for the whole thing. So you're looking at you know less than a quarter of the cost to go through it. And the students all it's a hundred percent job placement. Everybody's getting really right. good jobs. And this is that tradition of you know we have a lot of Penn Staters you know around there because we have had such an old program. Um, and so that networking helps a lot as well. Um, but I think part of it is just like me. I don't mean me like I'm doing so much, but like for me. It's, I take them and figure out where they want to be in their career. And then individually, we try to make that happen. So if you tell me you want to work a U.S. Open and that's what you want to do, well, your career path is going to be a lot different than the guy who says, I want work-life balance. And so um, starting in the first semester, we do you know, what they think is a five-year, 10-year career plan. And, and then we just keep building off of that. Um, and then when they graduate, they, I still have people that graduated five years ago that are now ready to go to the next job. They call me and they're like, what are the jobs you know about? What can we do? And then I make phone calls. So like it never stops. It's just this kind of continuum of, um, you know, at learning what time are you going to start charging a commission for that? No, never. <laughs> or is it just job security for you? You love yeah. it and you're giving back to the kids and man. It's yeah, just I love right it anyway. Thing. Like I, I don't try to make any money off of the students. Like it doesn't make any sense because it's not really what I want to do. Like if they want to hire me to consult 10 years down the road, great. But I don't think any of my students are even in the position to do that at this point. Right. It's like something that happens when you're approaching retirement age. Um, but it's fun. It's oh, fun. No, to, as a recruiter, man, you land them. You just tell them you get ten percent of the first five years. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is easy, John. Yeah. Maybe we do I, need I, to talk I, about I need, your math I need some a help. Bit. I need some help. I mean, I this think. whole book writing project <laughs> that kicked your rear. I mean, yeah. selling them at discount. I mean, we got to talk, man. We got to talk. No, I try to like you know get side projects through other things. You know, like green site and consulting and stuff. But the students. They're just they're just fun, um, and it's fun to see them. And not all of them make it, right? Like you know, just like any other program, I go back and I look, and I'm like, oh man, that person got out. I thought they were going to be a superstar, and they they just right. got burnt out or something happened, and they're out. But job wise, you know, thirty five thousand um, dollars to go through the whole program, getting out, making forty five fifty thousand dollars with housing. Um, it's pretty 
good bang for your buck in terms of money. And they take all the classes, all the faculty teach them. All, we have eight TERF faculty. Uh, they all teach in the program, so you're getting exposure to all of them. And we really focus on um, business, human resource, management, communications. Those are things that I think are kind of above and beyond what most TERF programs do. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a good program. And like I, I tweeted out this uh, this week, um, we added up all the scholarships. Six people graduated. Fifty-three thousand dollars in scholarships. That. It's like holy. I mean, one of my students got like twenty thousand dollars in scholarships, and the club paid for him to go to school. So like, wow. education was free. He probably in the you know I don't think he made money, but he didn't certainly didn't lose any money, um, and he got a good job as an assistant in the Delaware area, and uh, and that's kind of how they all do it. They have the opportunity. We also don't get a lot of in-state students. My students are from. Oh yeah, I'm seeing Canada, that. Minnesota, uh, Denver, South Africa. I mean, France, Germany. Wow. They're, they're from everywhere. So we tend to pull in a big group, and that actually makes it good too, because those students feed off of each other, and they're learning more than just like what's the two guys from Pittsburgh doing, right? You know, that I've been right. around forever. It's like, wait, there's a guy from South Africa in my class. <laughs> what's the difference over there? Well, you know, hourly wage is about a buck an hour over there, right? And wow. so, like, you you see the different challenges that people have, and so. It's a great program. I love it. It's it's definitely something that I'm really passionate about. And um, well, I'm glad yeah. that you had a good rash of students this year, so you can pay that invoice. We're going to send you for that endorsement you just gave. Yeah. Um, for the program, Absolutely. not cheap. I mean, yeah. Ben's Ben's wasn't that bad, but yours. <laughs> not, you know, we we paid Ben money actually. <laughs> Brian's right there. Yeah. Golly, saying that in front of the board president. I swear. That's so funny. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the way that we promote things are maybe a little bit different, a little bit more grassroots, right? A little bit yeah. more organic, I dare say. Yeah. But I'm pretty proud of the fact that, you know, in, what, 14, 15 months, it's, you know, 100 followers a month or more on the Twitter machine and, I don't know, almost 30,000 downloads of the podcast. You know, people are listening to it. Yeah, it's and awesome. And I think it's it's education and entertainment because it's not just – you know, again, going back to maintenance practices for superintendents and things of that yeah. nature. So, um, I listened to McGraw's from the GIS, and that's why I asked about Kearns and whether his was on because I was looking because I knew that he was doing it. Um, so, when there's people I know or you know topics that are going on, I listen to it. I'm not, I said I'm not a podcast guy, but like sure. you do get sucked into them. I mean, yeah. when there's you know interesting topics and it's not just about you know how do we aerate and you know, right. how do we do these things, it, it can be you know fun to listen to. Kearns is probably going to be entertaining from what Alan tells me. Apparently, he and I um, they took a lot of jabs at each other the whole interview. <laughs> yeah, that's Kearns. There's a little Tyson Holyfield match apparently going on. <laughs> I back think there. I see him tomorrow night. I think he's uh, he's going to be at Sawgrass for a couple of days. I saw him on the hotel this um probably uh, have a vodka soda with him tomorrow night do you need to plug someone who's promoting that for you or putting you guys down there um is there anybody you need i to mean thank tpc publicly? sawgrass i mean they're the ones that are really you putting know, you guys up yeah they, they basically a lot one allowed us what happened is there a train running through the <laughs> I office think, i think so it's like uh <laughs> um tpc sawgrass for them to um one allow us to go down there and volunteer that's awesome i mean yeah. they have so many volunteers i don't think they needed my 17 students um but for them to allow them to go down it's it's just anytime a superintendent will go out of their way to do that it, it's awesome i love it dude that's a lot of ryegrass that needs some scissors to it <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's a lot of bunker acre going on and a lot of push mowing i don't know what they're all doing but um yeah. it's beautiful yeah i had a chance to sneak over there before the gis oh you did 
Yeah. Took a My Carolina's morning photo from the grandstands that were up on 18. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I saw some pictures this week. It looks like it's dialed in in really, really good yeah. shape. So uh, When I got to play it a few years back, it was back when it was in May, right? And we got to play it earlier that spring. The grandstands were up, and it was kind of like when I got to play St. Andrews, the old course, the stands were up because the Open was coming in July. And oh, that's awesome. So I love being around that environment, you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't imagine doing it with people out there. All right, wrap it up, Alan. I'm sorry. We already know because you told you said it on Twitter, but let's let our listeners know. What was the first car you drove? Uh, my first car, I was a little bit of a spoiled brat. I had a BMW, like a 318 <laughs> IS. It was like my dad and I went shopping for a car, right? And he was like, all right, we're going to get you a car. And so we looked at an Audi and we looked at a BMW, which is like stupid. My sister drove like a Mercury Sable that was beater, right? Like a beater Mercury Sable. And then... The Audi would have been the smart choice. It was actually like a four-door sedan. You know, it was nice, but it wasn't like sporty. But, of course, a 16-year-old kid, you're like, oh, I kind of want that one. Right. And Stick shift? Five speed. How, how long never, until you lost the clutch? Uh, nope, never, never you lost You didn't burn the, out a clutch? Didn't burn out, no. You're like, well, crap. only had it for Yeah, very short period of time. Before. Oh, what happened? I didn't <laughs> see the post. I'm uh, sorry. Well, uh, so I'll tell you. So, um, yeah, so we, my dad drove it home from the dealership. I had never driven a stick shift. And we, he drove it home, and we stopped about three miles short of the house. And he stopped, and he's like, all right, you drive it home. And I had never driven a stick shift. I'm by myself. And I'm like, you know, yeah. just grinding the clutch. But I made it home. I learned to drive it. I, I learned to, you know, through the back roads, I learned how to drive it. Well, I think um, temporary tags are about 45 days old, right? That's about how long they last. Um, and I know prior to them being off, um, I was coming home late at night. I think my, you know, the, you have a Cinderella driver's license, like midnight. I was at my girlfriend's house. I was pushing the time as much as possible so I could spend it with her. Um, and at some point, I was like, okay, I got to go. I got to go. And so I was flying home, like 80 miles an hour in the back country roads, and it was wet. And I hit like a grate, like on the side of the road where I was turning. There was like a little dip where there was a grate for the water to go. Just spun out. And I just spun like three or four times and then wrecked it into a tree. <laughs> we got it fixed. It was like eight grand to get fixed. So <laughs> stupid. And uh, and my mom was like, that thing is gone. And and as soon as it got fixed, it was sold. My dad was like, peace out. And then they bought me a Maxima. Like, it was, I was so spoiled. Holy cow, like, those, were, like, those were the six cylinders back then, right? Yeah, I mean, that, it was, uh, yeah, it was. Those things could move. Or no, the Maxima, the Maxima had the, Maxima. the eight cylinder. Yeah, I don't know if I had an eight cylinder. I don't remember. Those could but, move too, yeah. But uh, yeah, I was. Uh, that was the fancy Nissan back then too. I it was super imagine. nice. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. like black leather on black. Yeah. And, and, then I, and then I went out to Arizona in 1996 with a black leather, black car. Did you have um, to get some sunshades immediately? Oh, man, you had to get sunshades. I had to get like those little um, fuzzy things that go over the seats because like you, you literally like burn yourself if you right. get in the car. And then I totaled it out there. So, um, I didn't have a good, good, that one wasn't, it was my fault, but it wasn't quite as bad of a story. Well, maybe we should start a new question. What's the first car you had to buy for yourself? Um, I bought a truck when I was at Connecticut. So I didn't, my parents had got me American. I had a, what, what did I have? Um, I'm gonna guess Toyota. He looks like a I'm Toyota. I'm thinking guy. Nissan myself uh, based on the Maxima comment. No, I'm trying to, <laughs> I don't Super even remember. brat. It was. I don't even remember what kind of car, what kind of truck it was. Because what happened was, I bought this truck, and um, oh, I, yeah, I bought this truck, and I was driving it around, and then they would the university stopped reimbursing me for my mileage for extension visits, Ooh. and I was like, well, why the hell am I driving my truck if you're not going to reimburse me? So then I bought a um, a Nissan. What's like a big Nissan truck? Um, the Titan. Yeah, Nissan Titan. I bought that with Connecticut's money, um, and then I stopped driving my truck. But I think I had like a, 
It wasn't. It wasn't. It was American, but I don't remember what it was. It's crazy. Nice. I don't even remember. Huh. I had that maximum. I totaled that. I got a um, a Jeep Cherokee, and that was kind of my car for a long time. And then that thing was kind of on its last leg at Connecticut. So I I got this truck, and then I never drove it after I bought my Nissan, and I drove that thing around. I'm and envisioning it. a Spark now as your current car. We have a Volvo. We have like a soccer mom car. It's like okay. a Volvo XC60. It took me six months to convince my wife to like buy a car that didn't have, you know. It's the cross country manually, one. Manually rolled up windows and stuff. No, it's not the cross country one. Um, you know, I was spoiled as a kid with cars, and now I just I could care less about yeah. you know, the car that I have. I do like the technology. I like being able to put it on cruise control, and it, it follows the people in front of you, so it doesn't, you know, it stops if they stop. Um, from a safety standpoint, that's been great for me. Um, Clearly, I've wrecked a couple cars, um, but yeah, uh, I wrecked my. I had my first wreck five days after I got my driver's license. Yeah, so I'm right there with you. Mine wasn't long either. It's not surprising. <laughs> I, I mean, was 16, and the colonel woke up the neighbors. I do remember that. I think you told that story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my parents reminded me of it. Yeah. They my, listen. Yeah, did they? <laughs> yeah, my parents were like, you know, they way too trusting. I think um, when I went to go take my driver's test, we took two cars. And I passed it, and they were like, all right, take this car back to school. We're going out shopping. And so they went and did something else, and I just drove on, like, 301, which is, like, a major highway in Maryland, like, back to school. Like, they were just like, whatever. He's, he passed his test. I guess he knows how to drive. Meanwhile, you don't know how to do right, anything. Right. That, that driver's test is a little silly. I mean, it was a course. It wasn't even, like, driving around. It was, like, parking between two cones. <laughs> yeah, it, was like, yeah. it wasn't real world. But Oh, man. No, I have, I've been – I failed a couple. How bad is it? I've had, like, three driver's licenses. I moved to another state. And you failed the test. You got to get mom to take you over there. You know, you're damn near <laughs> 20 or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then you pass the driving test, but you fail the written part. You know, like, geez, are you kidding me? Now I've got to get the little state book for whatever state I'm in in these laws. Yeah. Oh, that happened. I did. Yeah. Fail. That's fine. That's, That's a good story. Oh, yeah. At least one. I might. We got to get mom on. She I'll could probably tell you at least two. Well, yeah. I failed my first attempt. In fact, they didn't even let me parallel park. They said, just go ahead and put it in the park. You don't have to go back and do oh, that. from the driving portion you yeah, failed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I disregarded the yield sign in the parking lot, apparently, and that was enough. But No, my sister started teaching me when I was, like, 13. I think the driving part I was fine on, but... Back, right. back in the country, like, where we were, like, my dad had a Corvette, and he would be... You know, in Baltimore at work, and like I'd have my girlfriend over after school, but I didn't have a. We get dropped off. I was 15 years old. I didn't have a car. I just take his Corvette and didn't have a license and drive her home, like driving through the neighborhood, like hey everybody, like oh, like man. an idiot. You know, just doing stupid stuff as a kid. And I look at it now, and I'm like, yeah. The best thing that could happen to this world is for there not to be another Kaminsky in it. So like this oh, is this is why we don't have kids. I'm like this is a, a good selling point for not having kids. That's gonna be our soundbite to promote this episode oh, perfect should not be another convincing and you yeah. can't keep pets alive so do you even have plants or just suck we have a plant um we, we have, have a we, we have a, a you know a fiddly fig we had a cat for like 17 years but she passed away about a year and a half ago um and we just decided at that point like the plant is it that's enough for us to you know to, you name the plant no absolutely okay. not george but I, but I did realize that i didn't water it before i left and it hasn't been watered for a week so it probably might be struggling when i get back on did Friday. you never have to move george working for hap no. Who, who named their plant? Oh, so a guy that we used to both work for, Hap Lathrop, who ran the golf association. Yeah, we had to go move George one time. It was this huge. At his house? Yeah, oh, like no. four of us had to leave the office one day to go move this thing because <laughs> we picked it up and put it on one of those little casters with wheels, you know, the little uh-huh. platform things to move it. Uh, yeah, it, you probably got it in one of your Christmas photos <laughs> probably from did. the house. Right, right. You'll, you'll see George. But anyways, yeah, that's I the will find out about it. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we got to wrap it up. We do. Too long? Uh, it's not too long. Could keep going forever with this guy. But where can they buy your book at? Let's at least plug that. Uh, turfpath.com uh, is the website. We sell it ourselves, so they can get it on turfpath.com. Um, when they buy it, I literally go to storage and pull a book and sign it and put it in a package and send it to them. It's nice. like it's like serious grassroots <laughs> um, effort there. But um, so it's not an Amazon warehouse waiting. To- it's not. You know, Amazon's weird. Like I tried to like get my um, my seller's license on there, and like for some reason they keep denying me. Like it's and they won't tell you why. So I have to like try and do it again. I want to get it on Amazon and 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 yeah. have you know some copies there, but. We just ship it out ourselves, and it, you know, the personal touch is nice, though. Yeah, I mean, seriously, it it goes a long way. People, like, we've got books in the collection in our um, office from uh, John Hilton, who is the historian for Turf Council of North Carolina. And fifty years from now, one of those books somebody may appreciate with, you know, a note and to a child. Or some generational yeah. down thing, you know, or a turf student. So keep doing that, man. That, yeah. that makes a big difference between just getting it on Amazon, I think. Yeah, I think getting on Amazon would help. I think the biggest thing for us, we just wanted to be affordable for the students. Like, sure. Turgeon's ninth edition was 135 bucks, and I think he made about $7 per book, right? Like, it's, like, silly. How much was yours? I bought a bunch of them. 59 bucks, I think. And, uh, oh, yeah, I, think I was going to that much. Yeah. No, like that was the purpose. And once we took it out of the hands of the editor and did it ourselves, uh-huh. now we can still make 10 bucks a book, but sell it for cheap you know sure. and then people will buy it and use it so um again cool. it goes back to the student type of thing i want them to be able to make it affordable and so. i feel like i should be on the up and up with doc here last episode i did suggest to him that we sabotage your show so y'all can come down to our show and he said no nah, let's work in you know tim's not about that That's, yeah that was my call but oh yeah i definitely think that we should put our heads together on rotating professors annually so that yeah. we don't have to have them compete we can just go to them and say hey here's the deal you go to both all right, on the odd years, you can go to Penn State. On the even yeah. years, we'd like to have you down our way. I think my first year that I was at Penn State, um, I wasn't running the conference up there, but I went down and spoke at the Carolinas mm-hmm. um, my first year. And then because of our conference and I run it, I haven't been able to. But to be honest with you, I mean, aside from our faculty wanting to be there at our conference, we tend this year we are having a lot of them, but we tend to have a lot of outside speakers. So yeah. like our faculty are able to go, but it's a tough time. Yeah. Um, are yours always the week before Thanksgiving? The Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Yeah, and ours is always Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So. That's the because we try and stay at least five years out with the beach contracts to keep it affordable. Right. You can still get rooms at the host hotel for a hundred bucks, man. So That's you can crazy. walk so from good. your room to your seminar. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to pay for parking that way. We got parking for free and sponsors to do that, so it makes it. I mean, hell, you can still get breakers rooms for sixty bucks with an ocean view room. So That's if you and your assistant came for a week. It's sixty bucks at eight nights. What's the weather like down there at that time of year? Yeah, hit or miss. Yeah. I so in I've done fourteen of them now. Um, we've only had rain once on a Monday during the golf tournament. Um, in a little bit of inclement weather the second time where <clears throat> we've only lost nine holes of competition in fourteen years and we play as many as three hundred and fifty golfers on three courses. That's all. Awesome. But there's definitely years where you're wearing shorts or weird years where you're Oh without question. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the good news is it's straight show weather, right? Right? Like yeah. it's we've timed out well where we've had beautiful Mondays and then by the time you leave Thursday morning it's frost on the ground and you're miserable and <laughs> we're hit or miss too. I mean perfect. In, they gotta be inside. In State College in November. Um this year was fine, but the year before, they had a huge snowstorm rolling on Wednesday afternoon, so a bunch of people just ditched out. They were like, I'm going back home. Right. So Thursday was like 50 people in the audience <laughs> listening to the talks, which is like terrible, but like sure. it is what it is, you know. But normally, we it's cold, but it's manageable there. Yeah. Well, I think Frank's like a good example, right? Like he came down 
one year, three or four or five years ago, Rossi, Dr. Frank Rossi. Yeah. But I know that he's a big, big fan of yours and always is there for your conference as well. Yeah, he's so. been he's coming this year to speak. Yeah. Um, he's been one other time. He, I mean, he obviously kills it, right? He, he yeah. draws a lot of people and sure. everybody likes to listen to him. So, um, yeah, and he's great. He, and he's, you know, it's really nice. Like, they come and, um, you know, he was somebody that, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to pay Frank an arm and a leg to get him down here. And he's like, no, whatever you're going to give me, donate it to the Zontek endowment that you guys have and just give wow. it to Stan Zontek. And he was just really good about it. Frank, um, that's on record. Just next time <laughs> yeah. we talk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Frank. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you, Doc, for sitting down with us. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah, Anything else you want to throw out there that we've forgotten? Anybody no. the world needs to know about you? That they don't get on iTweet. I guess I would say this: like I'm, you know, starting to become under the weather as of today. And if you find out a week from now I have coronavirus, I apologize for spitting into your That's your right. microphone and everything. Hopefully, I, I didn't hopefully shake I'd, your hand. And no, 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 I'm no. gonna go do some sanitizer I'm, when we're done. I'm doing elbow bumps to everybody this week. Uh, I don't even want to go to Sawgrass because I don't want to get down there. I don't. I think it's just more allergies and stuff. But like, you never know. Like, we'll see what happens. Maybe we can find some Tito's tonight. I think Tito's cures that. Tito's might help. Yeah. Tito's might help. Just. Don't share our glass. No. No, absolutely not. Ever. Like, taste my fruity drink. No, <laughs> none of that tonight in Highlands, all right? <laughs> no. I don't care what she says. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, well, thank you. Appreciate thank you, you coming much. on. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. It was a pleasure getting to sit down with Doc. You can tell he's a smart dude. Very well respected and quite the Twitter guy. At least followers anyway. All right. Going off script here. Going to do a little, uh, I guess, filibustering. Filibustering. No matter how I say it, it'll sound Southern. As I started this podcast, my wife was in, in the dri- on the driveway, in the driveway, on the phone with Chuck Conley. Just for the record. So... Did you notice the new ad at the beginning, Bulk Ag? Welcome to the show. They are going to be uh, sponsors of our pro series. With our GIS Open Mic mini-series, all the episodes have been played, so we're back to only the 1st and 15th for episodes, uh, pulling weeds and pulling weeds off course. And With the current climate, stay-at-home orders, shelter-in-home, whatever you want to call it, I don't see us getting out to record a new episode for the first. So you're probably going to get to hear the Pro Series. First episode of the Pro Series, Mr. Beth Daniel, LPGA Hall of Fame member and World Golf Hall of Fame member and aunt of show founder Rob Daniel. So looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to having Bulk Ag on board with us for the Pro Series. Might have another sponsor on there waiting here. But with, you know, no content really coming out every Monday like we have been doing only the 1st and 15th. I thought I'd take a second and suggest other Turfgrass podcasts. I know that's kind of strange to promote other shows, but if you like me, you got some time and you listen. I know you guys can consume all this stuff on the golf course. So I guess we'll start out with the GCSAA and Scott Hollister with that booming podcast voice of his. They uh they get pretty scientific, unlike us. Then you got the boys over there at GCI, Matt Lowell and Guy Cipriano. Technically, they they have theirs listed on, under the Superintendent Radio Network, but they have 
little uh, plethora of shows there. They got Tartan Talks, Disease Discussion, Off the Course, not to be confused with Off Course, and Beyond the Page. Uh, what's my favorite? Where is it? Greens with Envy, though. That's it. That's my favorite one. But they just kind of talk about what they've been doing and where they've gone. It's always interesting to hear, I think. And if I'm not mistaken today, one of our Carolina's board members, Jim Huntoon, is going to be on with B.J. Parker on the Making the Turn podcast. That's another good one. That uh, B.J.'s got another good southern voice. You can tell he's a Tennessee guy. And I feel like it's very similar to ours, kind of the interview. And, uh, you know, you get the background of the person. And other info, but he he certainly has a turf grass background where Tim and I don't. And surprising everybody this past week, making the return, Joe Galati and the Talking Greenkeeper. That is a little uh, drive-by episode, I guess. That was pretty cool. Good to see Joe back. I don't know if that'll be a regular installment, but hey, Talking Greenkeeper's back. Yep, then you got Nadim over there at Campbell Chemicals with Behind the Turf, his podcast. Let me see what else here is in my phone. And last but not least is a new podcast, Zoned Out Turf and Golf. Zoned Out Turf and Golf. It's on Apple Podcast. Done by my man Dan Francis and Kent Turner. And they, uh, I guess they somewhat narrowed it down. They talk a lot about the... Uh, I don't know what that region was called, the middle region. Transition zone, that's it. Talk about transition zone, but they did good, man. They've got two episodes out as of the time this is being recorded and flows well, sounds good. And I like the way they, they fire those questions off at the end. That was pretty good. Keep it up, gentlemen. All of you. Enjoy it. All right, to wrap up uh, this episode, I guess I need to hit on the selfies. My wife and I were just sitting here talking about it. And first of all, Chuck, Chuck, Conley feels bad because now he's getting tagged in selfies and and he anyway he feels like he's a troll but he never was a troll uh Jeremy Boone came out with the perfect sprayer selfie let me go to his Twitter handle and tell you so you can follow it if you if you go to Jeremy it's easy at Jeremy Boone J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-O-O-N-E he is a certified golf course superintendent but he, he did the perfect sprayer selfie. And there's a few things that go into this. The perfect sprayer selfie is a clean sprayer. Uh, on First of all, it's a, uh, you know, not blue on all top like a oversplashed. And then in the reflection of his glasses, sunglasses, there you don't see the phone, you don't see the arm. So that's what really makes it the perfect sprayer selfie. Congratulations, Jeremy. Proud of you. Chuck, I'm sorry. Everybody thinks you're the selfie king. But again, thank you for listening. Thank you to Wally. Thank you to all the partners. Thank you to Tim. Thank you to the Carolina's GCSA board. Thank you to all the listeners in Australia. Thank you to the sod gods all across the country. Thank you for listening to Pullin' Weeds Off Course. To join the Carolinas GCSA and become a member, visit carolinasgcsa.org or call 1-800-476-4272. Follow us on Twitter at Pullin' underscore Weeds. 
and on Facebook at Pullin' Weeds Podcast. We would like to thank all of the Carolina's GCSA partners who helped make this organization a great one. 